to the Rookie Big Board. My name is Matt Hicks, the FF Educator, back at it here for part two of the Summer Scouting Quarterbacks episodes. This will now wrap up two sets of quarterbacks, two sets of running backs, two sets of wide receivers. Make sure you're checking out all the episodes. And I got to say, folks, before we actually jump into this episode, I got to take a moment and just give a huge shout out. Most folks know July is a dead period for podcasting. Numbers are down. People are doing other things. They're traveling, vacation, everything like that. The numbers are just going up and up with the Rookie Big Board. I think that is so fantastic. I appreciate you checking out these episodes, downloading them. If you're enjoying the content, I got to put the plug out there. You know, I don't do any advertisements. I don't make you listen to 30-second ad reads in the middle of episodes or anything like that. All of this is supported by patreon.com slash rookie big board. Head on over there, just three bucks a month. Get in on it, support it, so I can keep making good content like this. Let's get into it. Part two, I mentioned, if you listen to part one, that this episode here is going to be more about the athletic quarterbacks, the guys that have a little bit more dual threat capability. And we're going to start here with Jaron Hall out of BYU. I got to tell you, man, Jaron Hall is freaking fun to watch. There are some limitations here, which is why he's the first guy we're talking about. Similar to last episode, we're going to start with the bottom of the evaluations, and we're going to work our way up to guys that had higher evaluations here. Now, Jaron Hall, let's go back a little bit. And we have to go back, folks, a little bit bit we're going back to the 2016 draft our recruiting class 2016 he was the 722nd national recruit 20th dual recruit quarterback in six out of the state of utah you may have guessed it because he plays for byu the reason that we're going back 2016 is because he did take time to do a mission trip in between high school and college his true freshman season was 2018 at byu when he gets drafted, and I do think he'll get drafted, he'll be 25 years old. That might be a non-starter for some folks, but I'm telling you, at least listen in because Hall is a gunslinger. He's a mobile gunslinger. He brings a charge of excitement to the game. He has to have a big 2022 season to propel himself to the national conversation, but I believe his traits give him the ability to be set up to have that big season. Let's start with the big arm, consistently pushing the ball downfield, 40 yards, 50 yards, 55 yards, great velocity through the first two levels of the field. Now, I don't know if Hall is, is the strongest guy. Like if you sat there uh, and did one of those competitions where all the quarterbacks lined up at the 30-yard line and, and saw who could chuck it you know, to the other side of the field's end zone, I don't know if Hall would win that. But the way that he slings the ball, the effort he puts behind the ball, the fluidity of his motion, it works. It creates this velocity. It looks like he has zip on the ball. He has good placement in the short midfield. Like I mentioned, a fluid throwing motion, quick release. I love that quick release. It fits his build. It fits his athleticism. He has quick footwork inside and outside of the pocket. He does look to pass first, which I really appreciate in mobile quarterbacks, but he's willing and able to extend the play with his legs, demonstrates the ability to outrun defensive backs, and he can shake a linebacker in the open field. Now, the downside, Hall, 6-1-205. All right, so we're talking about an older quarterback. We're talking about a quarterback coming out of the group of five. We're talking about a shorter quarterback. There's a lot working against him. His accuracy drops off when passing into the deep field. There's multiple examples of him overthrowing receivers and underthrowing receivers. So it's not like he's just underthrowing or just missing wide. He's doing a little bit of everything. He is a little bit quick to leave the pocket at times instead of going to his second read, right? So he 
he doesn't always look to run first, but he'll move the pocket and extend instead of sitting in there and trying to find a second read, right? So he doesn't give up on passing, but he's going to go to his legs a little bit too often. The size is going to be a point of conversation through the NFL draft. I currently have him projected for a day three selection. I think he could be a fun addition to an NFL roster, but there's limitations here. All right, let's stick with the blue and white here, and let's go to Will Levis. Now, you might be a Will Levis fan, and I'm not saying I'm not, but I'm not quite up there with everybody else, which is why we're talking about him fairly early in this episode. I will say, though, a big part of the rookie big board is not just my evaluation. I track how I feel the NFL feels about players, right? Because draft capital is important. And I do still have Will Levis projected to be a 20 to 50 overall selection. That's day one late to day two mid, because that's how I think the NFL feels about him now. But we have a ways to go in order to justify that. Before we get into it, let's get into that recruiting profile here. Three-star recruit, 652nd national recruit, 28th pro-style quarterback in his class. He was the second recruit out of the 2018 class from Connecticut. Yes, back-to-back episodes that we are for some reason talking about recruits out of the state of Connecticut. Quarterback recruits, him and Tyler Van Dyke, both out of the nutmeg state. All right, Will Levis is a gunslinger. I don't know. Maybe we're going to keep using that word on today's episode. He is an aggressive play style, and he creates an undeniable buzz among those looking for that riser, right? Will Levis is that guy that you cling on to because you want to see him just absolute skyrocket. He's fun. He's competitive. And by the way, if you're not familiar, look up Will Levis's food habits. This man is absolute sicko mode, all right? He eats banana peels or bananas with the peels on. He puts mayo in his coffee. I'm not making this up, folks. You have to check it out. Levis has a big arm that allows him to sling the ball at will. Sharp zip on the ball in the short midfield, and he pushes the ball as far downfield as needed. He's not a pure athlete, but he's athletic. He's not purely mobile, but he's mobile enough to pick up first downs if the defense gives him space to run. If anything, Will Levis runs the ball too often. We'll talk about that. His throwing motion features a quick release. You got to imagine it makes it really uh, appealing for RPO-style offenses. At 6'3", 222, he's got size. If you're 6'3", 222, and you have mobility and athleticism, right, you start to get into Josh Allen range. And I mean, he's not Josh Allen. He's not Josh Allen. We're not talking about that level. But in terms of build, in terms of what an NFL play caller can do with you at the goal line, that the versatility you bring, right? That's what's getting people excited. Now, his aggressive approach leads to questionable decision-making. He forces the ball into tight windows too often. He leaves his body open to take big hits while running. I mean, this guy will get clocked a little bit. His footwork needs significant improvement. He's jittery in the pocket, rarely throws from a clean platform. That's a frustrating trait for me. I'll knock quarterbacks pretty far on that. Levis' throwing motion is short-armed, which contributes to his inconsistent ball placement. He struggles to process past that first read, often choosing instead to leave the pocket and letting, uh, instead of sitting there and waiting for his wideouts to get open, he wants to do it himself. Will Levis is trying to put the entire Kentucky offense on his back. Levis is a transfer from Penn State, right? So uh, he came into Kentucky this year. He took over the job. Maybe he felt like he had to do too much, right? He had to do the most. So coming into this next year, I want to see him Uh, trust his weapons a little bit more, sit in the pocket a little bit more, refine that anticipation a little bit more. And if those things happen, yeah, I can get behind it. I absolutely see a world where he's drafted in the top 50. 
I'm just saying we have to we have to get there. We're just not there yet on Will Levis, but we absolutely could get there. Sticking with the blue theme here, Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Folks, Anthony Richardson, my goodness. I mean, we could do this full episode on Anthony Richardson. We won't because we have a lot of guys to get to, but we could. 245th national recruit in the 2020 class, ninth dual threat recruit, 36th out of the state of Florida. 17 offers chose Florida over Bethune-Cookman, Boston College, FIU, FAU. A lot of desire there to stay in Florida. If I remember correctly, Anthony Richardson actually played high school in Gainesville. A verified 4-6-4-40 time in 2018. Verified 4-7 shuttle, 77-5 vert. You have to imagine that those times have only gotten better. He did compete in the Elite Open Finals, the Elite 11 Finals, and the Opening Finals. Sorry, those are two different things. He competed in both of them. One thing I want to mention here, uh, just as kind of a, a red flag, I'll put that in quotes, a yellow flag, something to know. He's only thrown the ball 66 times so far, right? So we're talking about a very, very raw prospect. But we're talking about an exciting prospect. We're talking about a, pro a prospect that is worth hyping up. He has a rocket arm. And I mean that, a rocket arm. He displays the ability to push the ball 55 yards downfield, easy, serious zip on the ball. I mean, he puts that thing on a rope in the short and midfield. His release comes with a tight spiral. And there are some examples of him firing balls through super tight windows, finding his wideouts in spots that seem unhittable. He's a pure athlete. He runs the ball with elusiveness. He runs the ball with strength. He has the ability to outrun linebackers. And on tape, you can see him run over defensive backs. I mean, when you are thinking of a prototypical dual threat player, you're thinking of Anthony Richardson. Right now, my projection for him is 20 to 50, 20 overall to 50 overall. Wouldn't shock me if he ends up a top 10 pick. What I do think is more likely to happen, because remember, he's only thrown the ball 66 times going into the season. What I think might be a little bit more likely to happen is that he enters the 2024 NFL draft with the potential to be a top five overall pick, the top overall pick. So that's one of the reasons I'm proceeding with a little bit of caution with Anthony Richardson, because I do think there's more development that needs to happen. He's a raw passer. He needs to tighten his mechanics significantly in 2022. He needs to become more, comf more confident and comfortable sitting in the pocket. Right now, he's really looking to run first. His confidence as a passer does become an issue at times because he'll throw into double coverage. I mean, there are some examples of him actually chucking up punts. Like he's just throwing up jump balls uh, that his wide receivers have no business or no ability to really get in on that, right? So it wouldn't shock me if Anthony Richardson develops into a top 10 selection. Wouldn't shock me if he waits a year to enter the NFL draft. A little bit of a wild card here. But when you combine that arm I was talking about with that pure athleticism I was talking about with the fact that I think I forgot to mention, he's 6'4", 236, folks. I mean, this is everything you want in a prospect. He's moldable, but there's a lot to go. High ceiling, low floor. Let's flip the script here and talk about a high floor, not so high ceiling prospect in Tennessee's Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker, 6'4", 218, like I mentioned, playing with the Tennessee Vols. His recruiting profile, four-star recruit, 337th national, 11th dual threat in the 2017 class. He will also be 25 when he enters the NFL draft. He received 18 offers coming out of high school, Oregon, Tennessee, Army, and Virginia Tech, and he chose the Hokies. Started his career with the Hokies, transferred over to Tennessee, with Josh Heupel late in the process, he transferred over after spring camp 
really looked to be a depth piece for Joe Milton, but took that offense by the reins and did absolutely everything you could want for a passer in Josh Heupel's pass-friendly offense to do. So that's how I get this high-floor guy from him, right? He's been productive, and he's got good tools. Hooker has a foundation based in clean mechanics, great footwork, smooth throwing motion, clean release. Hooker is comfortable working within the pocket first, does not panic under pressure, has the ability to step up and through the pocket with poise. He is a smooth runner that can execute design runs, gains yards when forced outside of the pocket, doesn't have a rocket arm, but absolutely possesses the ability to accurately hit his targets in the deep third of the field. Consistent ball placement, anticipates his wideouts very well, maintains accuracy, short field, midfield, deep field. His negatives are going to be focused around his age, 25. There's no getting around that. That's a knock. And he did struggle at Virginia Tech before being asked to execute a high-octane offense that tends to hide quarterback flaws. Still, Hooker has the chance to buck the negative narrative around age and capture first-round draft capital. I currently have him projecting that 20 to 50 range. I don't think even with a huge season, Hendon Hooker is going to be a top-10 selection. I think an NFL team is going to look at him in the back end of the first and say, you know, is this somebody who can have a shot to be our guy? But we saw NFL teams were a little gun-shy on that, right, taking those types of guys this year. So it'll be interesting with Hooker, but he's an exciting player, and he certainly has upside. Getting into our next guy here, it's Spencer Rattler, the quarterback out of South Carolina. I've talked about this with South Carolina. I'm sorry, I've talked about this with Spencer Rattler, but I'm not giving up on him. I know a lot of folks are. I know some folks that don't want to put him in their top five, top ten. I'm not there with Spencer Rattler. It feels like an overreaction. And it's going to feel like an overreaction here when we start talking about the recruiting profile. Folks, we're talking about a five-star recruit, 11th overall in the nation, the first pro-style quarterback recruit in his class, 238th all-time. The 238th best all-time recruit come out of the 2019 class. He had 14 offers, Bama, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado. Every other team knew it wasn't worth offering. All right, he was locked in early to Oklahoma. All-American Bowl, the opening finals, Elite 11 finals, you name it, Spencer Rattler was doing it. If you're familiar with the QB1 documentary, he was featured on it, did not look good. All right, he kind of came off as a really pompous, really uh, cocky type player. He has a verified 48, 440 time in 2018. I imagine that that number will be better in Indianapolis next spring. Heading into the 2022 or 2021 college football season, Spencer Rattler was a projected top five overall draft pick. I mean, consistently, every mock draft, you would have seen Spencer Rattler as a top pick. No question about it. Nobody arguing with it. He goes into this season, and we're going to talk about tape between 2020 and 2021. We'll get into it a little bit more, but he goes into this season, starts it for Oklahoma, loses the job to Caleb Williams. And we're going to talk about a little bit more what happens after that. But essentially, loses the job to Caleb Williams, and he ends up transferring after the season to South Carolina to reunite with Shane Beamer, now the head coach at South Carolina, but was the offensive quarterback, uh, offensive, the quarterback coach, offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State that recruited Spencer Rattler, right? So he follows that tight relationship to South Carolina, and I think it's going to be a big boost for him. All right, let's talk about the pros. Rattler has undeniable arm talent. That in and of itself, is what pushed him up to the top of most people's draft boards heading into the 2021 season. Fires a beautiful, tight darts across the field with ease, has the ability to push the ball downfield at a level that rivals every 
every other quarterback in this class. He has good mechanical foundations, an effortless and technically sound throwing motion, which is com- which is complemented by a very quick release. He has good mobility. It allows him to extend the pocket and scramble when needed. And he has the ability to accurately throw on the run. Now, those were all the things I loved about Spencer Rattler going into the 2021 season. And guess what, folks? The negatives, they were the same ones I put on his summer scouting report last year. He struggles with decision-making. There's examples of his gunslinger mentality working against him. He forces the ball into double and triple coverage too often. He lacks the ability to properly put touch on his balls. He fires darts or he, or he throws these fades. By the way, Spencer Rattler cannot throw the fade. Don't call the fade. He doesn't, he, it's not, it's not his pass. Just don't have him throw the fade. It looks bad. He looks uncomfortable when he sits in the pocket and has to throw his set feet. So he's got to get more comfortable in the pocket. I think USC is going to ask him to do that. All right. I think the offense is going to complement Spencer Rattler a little bit more at South Carolina, but the tools are there. NFL front offices draft on tools, right? I think they're going to look with a productive season, assuming Spencer Rattler comes out, shows off his tools, has a productive season, shows better decision-making. There's no reason Spencer Rattler can't be a top 20 selection in next year's NFL draft. And that's where I'm at with him. He's my quarterback four in summer scouting. Maybe I look bad in in a year from now or eight months from now or nine months from now, whatever. Maybe I look bad holding on for this, but I was the guy that was hyping down Spencer Rattler last year. And now I'm the guy holding holding him back up I feel like I'm the only one sitting, standing here and saying that that his Devi value isn't worthless. He's still a really toolsy quarterback, and the NFL cares about tools. Countless examples, folks, countless examples of quarterbacks that are taken based on their tools in the NFL. Spencer Rattler is going to be fine, and I do think he's going to have a bounce-back season at South Carolina this year. I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about him, and that's why he's in my top four despite some people giving up on him. My number one quarterback right now in this year's class, it's Bryce Young. But I do want to emphasize right now, and you heard me talk about C.J. Stroud and his ability to leapfrog Bryce Young last episode, and we're going to circle back to that now. But before we even consider circling back to it, we need to emphasize just how amazing of a prospect he was coming out of high school. Five-star recruit coming out of Mater Day in California. If you're not familiar with Mater Day, high school powerhouse, all right, puts out Huge recruits, and Bryce Young being one of many of them. Bryce Young was the second overall player in the country coming out of high school in the 2020 2020 class. He was the first dual-threat quarterback. He was the first player in California. 20th all-time. 20th all-time. All prospects, all recruits, 20th. 28 offers coming out of high school, USC, Arizona State, Auburn, It looked like USC was going to get him. They were in the lead early. Alabama came into the conversation, flipped him late. All-American Bowl, the opening finals, Elite 11 finals, just a little bit of everything. I don't always point out the comps. Folks know I don't love comps. 247 put out a really good comp, and I'm going to give my comps credit. Russell Wilson, I think that's the comp for Bryce Young. I think that's a good one. Bryce Young is currently listed on the Alabama website at 60194. Bryce Young is not 60. I mean, we're going to be pretty happy if Bryce Young comes in 5'10". 5'10 and a half, I think, is probably best-case scenario. He'll probably weigh in. I mean, they'll bulk him up. Maybe he gets to 210. So at best, we're probably looking at 5'10 and a half, 210, 215. It's a small quarterback. There's no two ways around that. But he's been on the path of being a top-10 NFL draft selection since he was in high school. 
his toolkit for dissecting defenses justifies that hype. But like all quarterback prospects, we're going to put him under the microscope. There's no huge holes in his game. We will talk about weaknesses because that's what's going to happen, right? Summer scouting, everybody sits here and tells you all the, the pros and upside, and that works for most guys because you want to see. You want to see the upside and the ability, the ceiling they have. That makes sense for a lot of guys. But we have to look at what NFL teams are going to criticize about Bryce Young in eight months as well, or I wouldn't be giving you an honest look at the top value of somebody who might be a top three, top five rookie selection next year in every league. So Bryce Young, he displays excellent decision-making, possesses the ability to read the field and process through his options quickly and correctly. It's complemented by the ability to push the ball 50, 55, 60 yards downfield. Impressive deep field accuracy, throws a tight spiral with a wicked zip in the short midfield, possesses a high-level escapability. He feels pressure well and is elusive enough to escape the grasp of defenders once the pocket is broken. Demonstrates the ability to accurately throw on the run, a rare trait from a quarterback prospect. Rarely puts the ball in harm's way. Places the ball where only his targets can get it. Young has great footwork within the pocket. Displays a quick release at times. Displays an unquantifiable clutch ability. I mean, if you go back and just re-watch the 2021 season, you never felt like Alabama was out of any game when Bryce Young had the ball in his hands. I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady. I'm not comparing him to Aaron Rodgers. But I think folks are familiar with how in the fourth quarter of a game, if Brady has the ball, I don't care how many points he was down by, right? Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't matter how many points he's down by. When they have the ball in the fourth quarter, you feel like they have the ability to go 99 yards downfield in 38 seconds, and it's always on the table. And with Bryce Young, that's how it felt. It never felt like Alabama was ever out of a game when Bryce Young had the ball in his hands. Just that, that unquantifiable clutch factor. And that is going to play into his draft capital. It, it is. It's huge. It's huge for NFL front offices. He does still have room to grow as a passer. He leaves his body open too often when throwing, significantly reduces his accuracy, particularly in the midfield. Midfield accuracy is a, is a big indicator. When he feels pressure, he has a, a tendency to throw off of his back foot, which also drops his accuracy at times. There, and again, we're putting him under the microscope, but at times he's got a crank at the top of his throwing motion. It isn't horrible, but it does slow down his, his release. I do think that could be touched up, but especially when he's pushing the ball downfield, you could see him winding up a little bit. So I mentioned he could throw the ball 50, 55, 60 yards downfield, but it takes a little bit more effort than a guy like uh, Tyler Van Dyne, right? Uh, that, that we were talking about earlier, or Anthony Richardson that we were talking about earlier. So his, his weaknesses are going to be exacerbated by his size. We talked about that. There's no getting around that but there's plenty of strengths and reason to be excited about Bryce Young. There's plenty of reason to believe that even at his height, he can be the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft, or if not the number one overall pick, a top five NFL draft pick. Bryce Young is good. He's worth the hype. There are caveats that come with that. Still, he's a really exciting player. He's going to carry the strength of the class along with C.J. Stroud, and along with some of the guys that we talked about on today's episode. That's 12 quarterbacks that we've talked about here with summer scouting. That's uh, eight running backs, eight wide receivers. All right, we're going to get into more summer scouting reports here as we get into August, but we're also going to start transitioning into rookie minicamps. We're going to talk rookie. We're going to talk Debbie. We're going to do a little bit of both here as we transition through the summer. I'm excited. We're building up to Saturdays. You're going to want to be in on the Rookie Big Board Discord. $3 a month. Check it out. I gave the full promotion at the beginning of the episode, but 
seriously, give it a shot. You're going to want to be in there chopping it up with us, talking about all these prospects on Saturdays, talking about the rookies on Sundays. It's going to be a blast. I hope you join us. As always, I appreciate you checking out this episode of the Rookie Big Boy.